So in just a few minutes, following a, a rather involved liturgical prayer, Leslie Violet and I will flow through the congregation, flicking water at you with evergreen branches. And I'm telling you this now so that those who are newcomers to Christ Church might be forewarned because depending upon your life experience, this could seem an absurd activity. If you are new to, religious, to the religious scene or newly returned to church, I suppose some of our liturgy could appear quite foreign maybe even requiring a translation. You're likely well aware that there is no standard today for what constitutes relevant Christian worship behavior. The options are numerous, running the gamut from praise bands in a bar to high mass at St. Peter's in Rome and everything in between. Worship leaders dress in Hawaiian shirts and sandals or in elaborate religious regalia with pointy hats and embroidered robes. And a solid case can be made for all these forms and methods, but but what matters most is the sincerity of the worshipers and their desire to be fully known to God and vice versa. In other words, does the worship have integrity? Are the leaders and participants speaking authentically? Does the music from time to time open subterranean mystic doorways supporting a faithful expression of heart and mind? Does the worship activity hold up the best of what it means to be human, made in God's image, and so forth? Christ Church has been bequeathed a rather remarkable and noble sanctuary here that has always seemed to me to inspire a kind of noble worship. Noble, not to say opaque or tiresome or disconnected from real people living in real lives, but noble in the sense of eliciting from us the best of what it means to be human. Given the gift of this space, we subscribe to some traditional worship patterns and to the best of what our long Christian tradition offers while remaining alert to current culture. In part, this is why clergy wear robes and the choir processes to amplify the idea that what we're about in here actually matters a lot with the deep taproot to the forebears of our faith. We understand that we stand on the shoulders of others and future generations will follow us. Holy ritual captures this perspective of time as sacred gift and obligation. At its best, ritual amplifies the things that matter most of all. And you know, while our themes change from week to week as we follow the pattern of the life and times of Jesus, undergirding all of our activity are a few very fundamental affirmations that ennoble our lives 
out there on the street beyond these walls. So, for instance, today, like I said, the clergy will be flicking water at you from evergreen branches, an odd sort of thing for several robed people to do, unless, unless you pay very close attention to what's actually being said and proclaimed in the service. And it's something that you will not, will not hear outside these walls, something quite important, something actually very important about you, about each one of us, about our human situation. Today we mark Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan River, and here at Christ Church, we incorporate a baptismal remembrance service into our liturgy. We do this because this day in particular allows us to remember and affirm something very crucial about our essential identity. I would say that having been born, every one of us confronts this essential question. Who am I, really? And this variation, what am I going to be when I grow up? And you know, interestingly, these questions are not static or time-bound. At the age of 65, I can attest to their continuing relevance. I'm still asking the question. I know this from my own experience, and I know it from hearing the experience of hundreds of other people as they've made their way forward in their years. So many of our conversations are actually variations on the theme, who am I? Even if those words are never expressed. When we baptize several infants in a few minutes, we'll have in our hearts and minds the beauty of human potential bundled up in swaddling clothes. We'll ask parents the names of these children and tell them that they are loved immeasurably. And in all of this, that they are beloved children of God, that they should never forget this because knowing this gives confidence to live life fully, courageously, and righteously, and that nothing in life or in death will be able to separate them from God's love. I believe deeply that an inadequate, an inadequate answer to the question, who am I, drives most of our human problems and tragedies. Baptism concerns our essential identity. As you heard the story earlier, a voice from heaven is addressed to Jesus in the first person. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Baptism teaches us who we are, God's beloved children, and confers upon us the promise of God's unconditional regard. We sentimentalize this notion with babies, but honestly, honestly, I have known many 70-year-old men and women, not to mention 30- and 40-year-olds, who have either forgotten or never learned the factual answer to the question, who am I? We probably could say, that this question undergirds everything we do here. And you know, you know this from your own experience if you interrogate it. 
Humans have a natural craving to figure out who they are. This drives the burgeoning business model of Ancestry.com and all of its sisters and brothers. People flock to discover their genetic roots. It would be interesting to ask how many of you have had your saliva analyzed. And actually, I did ask people at the 9 o'clock service to raise their hands to that question, and a number of them did. And afterwards, I got into conversation with a person who I had never met, who said that two years ago, he had this done, and he discovered his father was not his father. And then we had an interesting conversation a bit further about how does it impact the question of identity? Who am I? Whether or not you find out you're related to Charlemagne, Genghis Khan, or an Ethiopian prince, baptism reveals that all of us share a sacred genetic ancestry. Children of God. You know, in this sense, nothing is more important to grab onto. The meat on the bone today is to own the answer to the question, who am I really? Child of God. Child of God. You can tell that if you answer it that way, you feel in your bones your, if you will, sacred genetic ancestry, child of God, has a very deep impact, almost on a cellular level inside of you. My birthright is that holy and sacred? Baptism is a tangible sign of our kinship. We're all related. We're all related. Man, is this a hard thing to get through our thick skulls. We are all related. There's nothing magical about it. Baptism doesn't confer some new mystical power. It names and claims a fundamental truth. Each one of us, child of God, precious in our givenness. And if we will have it, destined for reunion at our true home not made with human hands. Baptism is God's work conferring confidence that no matter how often we fall short, nothing that we do or fail to do can remove the identity that God conveys a sacred gift. Nothing that you can do can erase the, if you will, genetic imprint of your being. Our relationship with God is the one relationship in life we cannot ultimately completely and utterly disregard or screw up precisely because we did not establish it. 
We can neglect this relationship, of course. We can deny this relationship. We can run away from it. We can ignore it. But we cannot destroy it, for God loves us too deeply and completely to ever let us go. In a time when so many of our relationships flounder and fail, which can leave us feeling bereft and beleaguered as though I don't know who I am. Hear me when I say that this primary relationship remains solid and intact no matter what. By trusting this truth, we're freed to give ourselves wholly and completely to the other important relationships in our lives. Can we trust? Do we trust that we are firmly held by God? that first and last we are God's. When a drop of water reaches you today, remember this. Take it on and in. Let it nourish the root system of your own identity. Let it inform your future. Let it renew your present. Let it remind you that nothing you've done, nothing that's happened or failing, no confusion, no loss and no remorse, no weakness or distress, can separate you from God's great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember that. That's today's assignment. So now we'll gather at the river to stake our claim on who we are.